Okay, so in the next uh, part of the pod, we're going to get onto sort of a, the Birmingham music scene, uh, venues, and I'm going to ask the both of you whether you think there's such a thing as a Birmingham sound. So from, from my perspective, Mark, I think, um, I'll just throw it straight out there. For me, uh, a massive sort of iconic sort of sound that I would say massively resonated with Birmingham was the uh, speed garage and garage scene yes, in the early yeah. sort of the late nineties, early noughties. Um, I think it came from like quite a sort of a underground sort of jungle scene. Um, but it, it sort of resonates with Birmingham for, or I think it resonates with our culture in, in a way, because it is a mix of a load of different genres. Um, but it's got some core sort of aspects to it that, you know, every pretty, pretty famous British, uh, Birmingham band that's ever, ever sort of existed has had the same sort of spirit it's you know it's quite um energetic um you know draws on different genres of music and sort of creates its own its own sort of uh, genres in, in its own right um it's you know it's work like i think it's quite hot like almost sort of grime grimy in a way um so that's for me that's sort of those those components of garage music um you can sort of cross them across a lot of genres that have come out of Birmingham, like Bangra, like um, like Scar that's come out of Birmingham, like yeah. Specials, mm-hmm. things like that, where, you know, that undercurrent of fighting against a, a greater power, if you like, and, you know, never giving up, um, comes out in all of those sort of, those those genres, if you like, that I, I definitely rate, relate to growing up. Would you go along with that, Kayleigh? Would you go with yeah, I agree. I think I think for me, it's not a particular genre. There's mm. like there's a vibe and there's an energy to Birmingham music, mm. or or say you know Midlands music. There's you know there's there's a grind. There's an, there's an energy. There's an industrialism about it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that kind of that struggle, isn't it? Like mm. music in in a lot of the songs, it's like life is hard yeah. you know we're yeah. fighting we're, we're fighting for it and it and again it comes from that like kind of like that working class background that you know you've got to work you've got to grind things yeah. will get better we're living for the weekend mm. so i think for me it's not a particular genre but there's just those like that you know those themes that run through a lot of the birmingham music yeah we'd, we'd mentioned and we'd alluded to that that working class element and look black sabbath obviously yeah. um uh, Aston, obviously Ozzy Osbourne, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get onto UB40, obviously, and that the name of the band comes from, yeah. obviously the Dole number, yeah. uh, and then we get onto bands like The Streets, yeah. um, who I'm not that much of a massive fan of garage music, like you particular, like you said, but The Streets was a little bit different. It seemed yeah. to be like a, a cultural thing at the time. Was like, oh no, it's massive, and it played more of a part. No, these are from Burn. Well, Mike Skinner was like from Birmingham, and he was a, a blues fan, um, <laughs> and it seemed to be. Well, no, actually, like this is this is resonating. This is resonating as well. Mm. Um, so there's yeah. like a fight. There's like yeah. an attack. I think like like with some of these more working class bands, it is you know it, it's about fighting. It's about the aggression. Like even now, like there's a rapper called Lady Leisha who's okay. from yeah. who's from Castle Brom. Yeah. Like and like even with her music, like I can completely be like, oh yeah, she's totally from Birmingham. Yeah. I mean, obviously she's got the accent, yeah. but you know, there's that that fight, that drive, that you know, Did- working class to be better. So we'd mentioned obviously that that working class sound, um, but did you feel because that these bands from Birmingham wasn't as prevalent as a lot of other bands were from other things like Manchester had a massive music yeah. scene, didn't they? Or London bands would come from London. So did you feel that when these bands came about, that you know we attached ourselves to them even more so because they wasn't in the charts that often yeah everyone loves yeah. an underdog yeah and i think birmingham is a bit of an underdog yeah. you know every, obviously london's the capital and manchester have got this massive like stake in like british cultural 
you know, cultural yeah. behaviour. I think I think Birmingham's an underdog, and what you've just said about Birmingham bands not necessarily getting as big as other, you know, other bands like it kind of epitomises Birmingham a little yeah. bit. Yeah, well, look, you'd, you'd said that, and Liverpool as well have got a mm. massive thing lot with with the sort Mersey of Beatles B, yeah. and Mersey B, and it just seemed that Birmingham, when those bands came about. They were, well, some of them were Black Sabbath, were obviously massive, mm. but it just seemed to be we'd attach a bigger emphasis to them because they never came about that often. Yeah. Um, okay, so some of the, let's let's go through some of the venues in Birmingham. Where was it that, obviously, we've got places like the Carlin Academy that became the O2 Academy. Did you have any sort of favourites or, or any place that you like to go to listen to music? Go, yeah. You go for it. Yeah, you're you're, <laughs> the, yeah, you're yeah. the professional. So did you ever go to the Jug of Ale in Moseley? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah Jug of Owl for me is a, a, one of those venues that you walk in and you can feel the history like Ocean Coliseum played there yeah. you know, yeah. like, I think Oasis, Oasis played, played there, there. Yeah. so like I think it closed quite a while ago now and I think it's an Indian restaurant okay. so no. yeah. um, but I remember you know for a good few years going to the Jug of Owl and just being like this is so cool like mm-hmm. literally Ocean Coliseum were, were there you know, Oasis were there you could just feel it yeah. I just love even though it's I suppose it's a pub I love places that you know is a music venue do you know what i mean people are there for the music it's known for the music so that's a big one for me definitely what about yourself well i think uh, you you may have played there a few times you mentioned the flapper um but i've got a couple of sort of similarly sort of um infamous sort of uh venues on the on the birmingham sort of live gig scene so eddie's eddie number eight a lot of my friends had we'd go there quite often to to see bands there uh, you mentioned the Roadhouse, the Castle and Falcon as well was somewhere that people like believe. Where's or not. that? I don't so know. it's um, people, people, more, people might know it more as its nightclub venue name of the Keel Castle. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah. Which uh, yeah. It's, it's got quite a, a reputation of being a good, yeah. a good late night boozing venue. It's but, the only place that I've ever been to where there was a van outside the door with shoes for people who were, didn't have shoes. Wow. So higher shoes outside. Higher shoes from outside. Wow. For the night and then give them back. Mm-hmm. And they weren't great shoes. Yeah. No. I can't, Pumps. Yeah, it was a little bit like a bowling alley in that respect. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the flapper and also um, Scruffy Murphy's which was round the corner from, yeah. uh, oh, from the Academy. Yeah. But that, again, Big that was, that was heavy. That was yeah. definitely a heavier venue but always, like if you were, if you were going out for a a gig um, you'd go there for a couple of beers beforehand yeah. and there was they'd play like heavier metal music and stuff and they'd, like, they'd always have a nod for Birmingham bands and stuff um, mm. from around the way so. so tiny tiny stage downstairs I will say but a good a good yeah. venue another tiny venue Sunflower Lounge yeah. down the bottom yeah. tiny tiny yeah. I will say sorry Sunflower Lounge awful sound <laughs> but great atmosphere it was always everything like I shouldn't say this but everything was so loud <laughs> everything was louder than everything else like, I had one of my most sort of jackass moments at, um, at Sunflower Lounge because I once had a dance off with I uh, don't know what the politically correct, politically correct term is for a, uh, somebody that's a dwarf but yeah I had a dance off with a dwarf <laughs> okay. in, in the Sunflower Lounge yeah. which was uh, yeah and I didn't win <laughs> <laughs> bad times there's an urban myth that once someone was at snobs and they threw a dwarf onto the dance floor i don't know if you've heard that, that. wasn't me <laughs> was, yeah, that, that was, was that was that the dance so would then you, you both say that you prefer the intimate venues over the sort of some of the larger ones for listening to music even though it was some of those larger venues that allowed us access to sort of the bigger bands that other places you know it's one of the advantages of being in a city like birmingham is those bigger music venues for bands to come to 
So did you prefer places like the Sunflower Lounge to Flapper over places like the Carlin Academy, uh, for example? So I definitely don't like the current academy for, for gigs. Okay. I can't see. For, for yeah. everyone at home, I'm 5'4". Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm normally in my converse. I cannot see at yeah. all. So the Carlin Academy for me has always been a bad venue. Even though I've, I've been to some great gigs there, but I just well, cannot see. Well, the old see. Carlin Academy, obviously, the oh, so, two. Yeah. yeah, so the old, no, sorry, the yeah. old one. Yeah. yeah, the old one was great because yeah. <laughs> because I could see. <laughs> yeah. But the new one, the ceiling's well, too low. We've started going on a balcony. balcony. We've, oh. we've reached that age. We've reached that. Balcony where, boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, not not sitting down, but like literally standing so as we can see the gig. We'd been to see Limp Biscuit recently, and I think there were two Amazonians that just <laughs> turned up at this gig and landed right in front of us. Now, I normally never have a problem at a gig, mm. normally, um, but then when these two giants come and stood in front of me, I thought, like, get to the back, what are you doing in there? So, yeah, so would you? I think it just depends yeah. on who you see it yeah. and what, like, in what context, because mm. fl- I've been to some really good gigs at the flapper, but mainly when my mates' bands are playing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, there'd be no one in the room, so it wouldn't really matter where they were playing. It was mm. more the fact that we were, you know, they were you know, going to make it, um, mm. or that was the aspiration, they were going to make it, mm. with their, like, five five songs on their ca- back catalogue. But, mm. um, you know, we had just as good, just as much fun at those sorts of venues as the bigger venues, where, you, where you're seeing a big, like, reputable band or... Mm. So where do you stand then with the stadium, the stadium venues, as in, like, we've got... Well, for anyone from Birmingham... NIA, it's always going to be the NIA. It's always going to be the NIA. No matter what you call it, or the any even iterations. Indoor arena. Indoor arena. Yeah. Everyone still refers to it it's as the, the NIA. It's the NIA. Yeah. Even when non-Birmingham it, yeah. people, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> refer to it as the NIA. <laughs> and the and NEC. Then obviously, NEC. Yeah. And then the National Exhibition Centre. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, well, well <laughs> I'm one for dispelling an acronym. So, <laughs> so would you prefer, like you said, an intimate venue over those sort of those big sort of stadium? venues or not or sometimes you need that venue for that sound i love a good stadium gig absolutely love it standing though i'm Mm -hmm. a big believer in standing now like a lot of people now like oh just get some sheets and i'm like no No. i've had some absolutely amazing like gigs like one of the first gigs that i went to at the nia was travis okay and we went super early yeah and we were right at the front of the queue at like 3 p.m. like on the afternoon and they were sound checking and if you went round the back you could hear them so we took it in terms of like run round the back of the NIA to hear the sound check yeah like I've just had some amazing yeah amazing gigs there Arctic Monkeys I saw there and it was incredible like I pushed my way all the way to the front and was standing in front of Alex Turner like I love you <laughs> like yeah what did you make of the, o- what's the O2 Institute now? It was obviously the old Digworth Town Hall. What did you make of the gigs there? Because that was across so many different tiers, yeah. wasn't it? I remember seeing a gig there on the floor, obviously on the next level, and then they had this weird third balcony yeah. right at the top, which was actually brilliant if you wanted a bird's eye view of the gig. But obviously there was 10 people yeah. in there. So what did you make of that? I think that? as I've got older, yeah. I prefer I do prefer to be able to see, like see and actually soak up the atmosphere rather than be in it. Like, yeah. But it, dep- it does depend on the gig. It completely mm. depends on the gig. Like you said, we've been to stuff, me and you have been to stuff more recently where we probably haven't seen much of the, the actual artist or the band themselves, but we've just soaked up the atmosphere or been like just consumed with it. Mm. Whereas we've been to other things where we've been a little bit more, some of the ni- nicer things we've done in the last few years, we've sat at the back and just watched everyone else have a good time. Yeah. And we've we've just enjoyed ourselves soaking it up and seeing the band and... 
being so, a sort of a step removed from it, but maybe that's what would you What would you say, Kate? Are you someone that's got to be involved in the crush? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah I am. In, even now? Like, even now. now yeah. I'm, yeah, I love it. I love getting involved. Like, even though you're 5'4". Even though yeah. I'm 5'4". Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, yeah, a mush pit. I'll walk into it because I know yeah. that I'm going to get battered. So I yeah. don't really like go into a mush pit, but I love being in the thick of it. I love being in the crowd. Um, yeah, as I said, when I went to the Arctic Monkeys, I remember for some bizarre reason people started mushing, but I saw an opening and I legged it across the mush pit and then got right to the front and I was yeah. like, this is amazing. And often when I go to big stadium gigs, like the, the age that we are, everyone quite likes to stand back and have a beer. Mm. And I'm always like, I'm going to the front, I'll see you in about half an hour. Okay. So I will go on my own and mm-hmm. wiggle my Work way through. Way through yeah. As, as a, like a, t- a small person on my own, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Wiggle my way through, maybe watch like five or six songs, then be like, I've had my fix, I'm, I'm good yeah. now, I'll go. So yeah, I'm always right in the thick of it. So talking obviously gigs, let's get on to, let's get on to a few things about that. What was your first gig? Mine, so my first gig was Stereophonics. It was at the National Exhibition Centre, <laughs> <laughs> formerly known as the NE, so. Yeah. Um, it was Performance of Cocktails, so 2000, oh, so 19, maybe maybe 2000, if, yeah, maybe year mm. 2000 or 1999. Mm-hmm. Me and two friends, uh, it, our friend's mom dropped us off, so yeah. we felt like quite grown up. Um, yeah, and it was, well, I think we were standing, but we were like bottom of the standing tier, so it was pretty cool because we were almost sort of, Felt like we were in the in the uh, in the stands basically, but um, yeah, pretty good gig, and that sort of always stuck with me. That feeling at the first gig, and the feeling that you got to learn all the words as well. You like almost felt like a football match. You got to sing as loud yeah. as the lead singer, which I've now realised that anyone that's been to a gig with me gets really annoyed because <laughs> I'll sing I'll sing as loud as the lead yeah. singer, and then no one gets to hear anyone. Yeah. So, what was your first gig, Kelly? I'm not it's sure what to tell you. you. <laughs> okay. No, Listen, there's no, no shame. No, well, I was. I think I must have been about six. So fair play to my mum. Yeah. She took me to what must have been the NIA mm. to see Jason Donovan. Great. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, he was well, a legend. He still yeah, is, to be yeah. fair. No, he is, yeah. 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 And in the same year, we went to see Cliff Richard. So both of these like gigs, I you remember bit, having my ears year, like yeah. plugged yeah. as well. Yeah. But my aunt really wanted to meet Cliff Richard. So she took a rose and then made me go up to the side of the stage with Ank. And she was like, my niece really wants to give Cliff Richard this rose. And mm. I was just like, I, I don't. I really don't. So and, they, weird. and they took us backstage. So when we didn't meet him, but we looked up onto the stage and we could see him, mm. and they let us like put it in his, his dressing room, which would never happen now. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So my yeah. aunt got to go backstage. Well, my first, I thought I was a bit late to the game in this, and I think this is sort of epitomised my like love for going for gigs now. Is I always feel like I'm having to try and play yeah. catch up because I didn't go to a, like a gig sort of early on, apart from the obviously BRMB party in the parks and stuff. <laughs> my first gig was, um, it wasn't even in Birmingham, it was in Sheffield, it was up at Oasis. Oh, nice. That was my first gig and it was, uh, was it Turn Up The Sun? Um, that sort of tour. Um, it was Sheffield, it used to be the Casa Marina, was it? Hallam Arena. Um, and anyway, the load of us had drove up there in one of our friends who didn't have a ticket, he drove us up there in a, in a Sprinter, a Mercedes Sprinter, and we were just keeping in the back of the van. <laughs> So obviously we went to watch the gig. It was my first gig. Loved it, enjoyed it. Mm. It was um, Oasis. Um, and then what a bar. Uh, what I know a high, it was high bar. High to bar set. To set. <laughs> and we'd come out of there, and this mate who hadn't got a ticket, he'd managed to get us a lock in. Wow. So we had to come out of this, come out of this gig into a lock in. At the, in his pub in Sheffield, and then that's to sleep in the back of a sprinter. So you need to explain what a lock-in is to people. Yeah, that, 
Is that a Birmingham phrase? I don't yeah. know, but yeah. like, some people might not know what a locking is. So okay, it's cool. It's illegal just to yeah. confirm to everyone at home. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's, if you find, so pubs will like turn the lights off, lock the doors, yeah. hence the lock-in, but then carry on say, serving um, patrons of the pub as long as they keep their mouths shut and don't keep, make too much noise for anybody. Mm. And then kick them out a bit later. So yeah, yeah the, the term locking is effectively just that. So it's been locked in a pub. Yeah. And then we could, well, we eventually did get uh, chucked out of there to sleep in the back of this Mercedes Sprinter. But it was like early part of the day, it was freezing. One of the lads had forgot to bring any stuff with him, so he was just doing sprints around the car park to try and keep himself <laughs> warm in the middle of the night. You mean you didn't spoon him didn't, in the no, back? Didn't, you didn't no. cuddle him no. to no. <laughs> body heat? Enough, no. He wanted a little run, so there we go. Um, okay, so we've got gone over our first gigs. What would you say? are some of your best like, memorable gigs and then opposed to what's been a gig that you've absolutely hated and walked away from? So for one of the most memorable gigs for me was going to see The Thrills okay. at the Carlin Academy yeah. and it was one of the first gigs that I went to where I was older and I could drink and I just remember it just being raucous. I mean, The Thrills aren't really yeah. raucous, yeah. but I just remember because it's quite bouncy music, everyone just bouncing around and, and, and again, like, I was at the front like... Yeah. And it just being like that sense of freedom of like, I'm out, there's like live music, I can have a beer. Like, mm. I just remember that just being such a, like a big moment for, for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the thrills aren't necessarily like the love of my life band, but just I just, in, I just, I just in sticks in my memory. And, I, and also I went to see Robbie Williams when I was 15 at the NEC. Mm. And again, that was like, you know, when you thought about like, there's a big star yeah. and they're here yeah. in the same room. Yeah. I just remember thinking, this is incredible. In that person's presence. Yeah, well, he's from Stoke, so he's kind of local, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose we're getting um, yeah. strong army. Yeah, in. but what I love And what about a gig that we just like, you know, assigned to the songs that sort of This might upset one or both of you. Okay. But Blink 182 is wow. the worst gig that I've ever been oh, to. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I thought you were there, but maybe you weren't. Yeah. I must have been about 19. Okay. And it was def- it was one of NIA and they say, who knows? They need to change one. Yeah. But I just remember they played everything like double speed, like really trashy, like didn't stop, just like, you know, you know how fast Blink 182 are? Yeah. But they did everything like faster. And I just remember thinking, this is awful. Like yeah, so mm. so didn't didn't like that, and I've also seen Nick Cave and the Lightning Seeds, and again, such a trashy like yeah. horrible sound. So I was like, oh, I don't think I like this. I'm very <laughs> sad about this, but I love like I love Blink One Eight Two. I love yeah. I love them, yeah. Yeah. but I always think they let me down. Oh, let yeah. me down, lads. Let me down. Maybe they'll make it up now. They're making a comeback. Who Maybe knows? they will. Maybe I should tweet them yeah. uh, or X them or whatever yeah. it is now. Well, what about yourself, Paul? What was um one of your favourite gigs and then what was opposite Just, was I won't sort of go through in too, too much detail but a band of whenever I've seen them I've always left happier than when I went to like the start of the day mm-hmm. Newfound Glory so, oh okay yeah. um, mm. I've seen them about three or four times and, yeah. and more recently I've been able to see them with my wife and we share that sort of in common yeah. but just always really fun really upbeat we bump into people in the crowd that we don't usually see unless they're at a Newfound Glory gig as well <laughs> so yeah. like you've got that sort of that in common so yeah new fan glory whenever whenever they're touring i, I can't wait till the next time they talk because i'm going to take the kids and we'll just you know balcony with the kids as well. but um <laughs> but yeah they're a band that um definitely like good fun whenever they come to birmingham again it's probably that just that just spirit that energy that they bring 
Um, um, and this time you're going to remember your old I'll, friend, your old friend Marty. I will next time. Someone had a spare ticket. <laughs> yeah. And then afterwards said, "Oh, we had a spare ticket to that oh. gig." We did, and I yeah. forgot to forgot, forgot yes. So, and <laughs> luckily, Martin lets it go. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, Doesn't hold a grudge. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of bands that I've seen that have been a disappointment, uh, so at the time this band was rated as the best live band in the world, hmm. and they were playing the NIA, so they're playing middle of Birmingham big stadium gig tour um, and my wife's a massive fan of them so we're like we've got to go and see them uh, 30 seconds to Mars okay. and we left before the end because really? they were so Jared Leto he let us down that night he's got a great voice but he didn't beautiful sing man. he didn't sing he is a beautiful man he, you know, <laughs> he's, he's Jesus reincarnated in, in his own mind I think but yeah. we went to see him um, I love some of their some of their sort of earliest stuff and then the newest stuff as well has been been okay but um, he just let just one of those that just like farms out the mic to the audience. You're like, mm. I've come to watch and hear mm. you sing, mate. Not the audience as much as I like. Yeah, the, the, the crowd participation. Mm. You can spin around all you want, but I want to hear you sing. Yeah. Was that something that you ever did as a as a, a singer? Do that crowd participation, really cool. getting them to getting them to sing, or whether you just like, no, I'm just going to sing. More <laughs> no, it's all about me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah, we we try to always like involve the crowd definitely, yeah. especially if there's a song that I'm like, you guys know this one. So so one of the songs that we used to end with is we used to do Bohemian Rhapsody, great, yeah, which for a like a four piece band in a pub is quite it's quite yeah. a achievement. But we always used to do that, and I was just saying to everyone, you know that I can't sing this on my own, so pick a part and sing, sing with it. me. Yeah. And everyone picks the high bit. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I'm like, why? Everyone wants to prove I can hit a high note. I'm just like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, you gotta get the crowd involved, definitely. I think one of the best bands that I've seen for crowd participation, and I say everyone should go and see this band at least once. Slipknot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Slipknot. Oh, I love Slipknot. I've seen them a few times. That was one of the the craziest moshes I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Was Slipknot. We went, it was a couple of years ago, and I can't remember now if it was NEC or NIA, but that mosh was was crazy. Yeah, I think it was the NIA because I think I was there. And I was very comfortable. Not participating. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I went to see them at Down. The first yeah, time I saw, I saw them was at Download, download. Yeah, we saw them at download on the fr- well. on the Friday, mm. you know, twenty sixteen, mm. and it was hammering it down with rain, and everyone was like, like the circle pit, and it was yeah. going around, and it was getting muddier, and I was like on the edge, like slipping and trying to like like get back because yeah. I was like, I may die tonight, yeah. <laughs> but I am having a great time. So. Uh, yeah, I think one of my gigs that uh, most disappointed was. Um, and I feel like we're just <laughs> digging loads of people out here. But it was Ben Howard? We saw Ben Howard. At, he was at the Symphony Hall oh, in Birmingham. Nice, so great thought, venue. Great venue for, for a right. gig. Yeah, I thought he's the perfect type of like, singer songwriter for that. Me and my me and my wife like really loved the first uh, first album. It's something that you've ever wanted to feel chilled or anything like that. You just uh, put that on. Um, so we, when he came and say he was playing that, that gig, I thought brilliant. We'll go and watch that. Mm. It'll be a really good night. But the whole gig was. Um, and I don't know what you two feel about this as well, was it was just a load of experimental stuff. Oh. And it was all, I oh, know that's fine, you've got to get, you, you know, you made mm. some of your newest stuff out there, but then it's also, but you've got to a point where yeah. those types of songs have got you to this point, so surely you should be playing yeah. that, some of that stuff as well. And the whole the whole gig was something that stuff that we'd never heard of. Mm. And we, we ended up coming away from the gig like, before I we I don't like finished. that. Like, yeah. you know, when you hear an artist that they're like, oh, it's my biggest song, but like, I hate it. And I'm like, okay you can hate it privately but that's derogatory to the fans yeah you know that's derogatory to your big fans that mm. you know love that song and yeah. have invested to that and to have the actual artist going yeah but it's shit 
Like, that's yeah, not yeah, on, yeah. is it, really? And yeah. I think if artists are going to do experimental stuff, that is absolutely fine. But they need to bill it as such. Yeah. And be like, you know, it's going to, it's like, you know, jazz night or, you know, you know whatever. Um, <laughs> Open yeah. You can't go, you know, now, yeah. yeah, it's it's a bit gratuitous, so isn't it? So really? we, we was a bit disappointed there. And then I think the other one was, we, uh, this was Oasis and it was at Slane Castle. So it was in Dublin. Oh, amazing. Um, or not. <laughs> well, no, and the, the lineup was amazing. It was a waste. They were supported by Kasabian and the Prodigy. Mm. And I thought, what a lineup. But yeah. the sound was terrible. So uh, it's not necessarily anything to do with the band, yeah. but the sound. And I just don't think it might have been a right setting for a gig. Mm. It was just the sound just didn't carry through mm. at all. Even though that mosh as well, the Prodigy, Jesus. Mm. I've been to that them was, a few that, times that was something always. different, that yeah, was. I'd love yeah, to see, I haven't yeah. seen them, but I'd love to see them. That, yeah. was, that was good. So have you got a gig that was... Um, an I was there moment. So not necessarily a big band, but it may have been seen them before they were big and you've seen them in a smaller venue. So have you got any other a gig like that? So one example for me was um, we once saw Mumford and Sons at the Glee Club. Oh, wow. In, Glee uh, Club. In Birmingham, exactly. Where they didn't stand up. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a 300 um, mm. maximum capacity and we saw, and I think it was around about £7 a ticket. So before they got, were playing Songs for Presidents, and things like that. We actually saw them at the Birmingham Glee Club, wow. and it's something that I've always sort of, sort of treasured as such because um, you got to see what was a big band, mm. or came to a big band, but in a really sort of small and intimate venue. Have you got any gigs like that yet? Yeah, I've got a similar one. Yeah. For me, so I've mentioned them a few times, but I bloody love them. Um, Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. So they did a Kerrang tour when like they okay. had their first album, yeah. and w- w- I had tickets to go and see them in Cambridge, and when we bought the tickets they were like the album hadn't come out or it was just you know just just on the cusp of coming out and it was like them Maximo Park We Are Scientists and someone else and by the time the gig came around Arctic Monkeys were absolutely massive but they still had to go on first (laughs) so they went on first like Alex Turner literally like doing the whole like the album everyone had going absolutely crazy and the rest of the gig was good but it was like that was my you know that that was the pinnacle of that gig and seeing them in such a small venue yeah and then my other one is slightly a melancholy uh memory but i actually saw amy winehouse okay when she was drunk and yeah. you know off her face whatever you want to say was she, was, spoons or... <laughs> <laughs> she was actually supporting oh my god why do we keep mentioning artsy monkeys again yeah. in manchester and she was, and I was just like, this is rubbish. Like, why? So we went to get beer, mm. and then like next year she died. And I love Amy, like I yeah. love her, but I was like, I'm not watching someone like to, like this is uncomfortable. Like, and so yeah. I, I always regret that I didn't stay because yeah. knowing what she was going through mentally, I yeah. feel like I abandoned her. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's mm. that's not very nice to me. So. Yeah. A, similar, a similar band or sort of similar stories. There's a band called Fright and Rabbit, and I don't know if, if anyone's sort of heard or listened to them, but. Um, we saw them in um, at the O2 Institute, um, and Hannah, my, my wife, she actually like got me the set list at the end of the mm. gig, so I had that, and then it was a, a couple of months later that obviously the lead singer he committed suicide, yeah. so obviously I've still got that set list there somewhere, and it, you could always tell that it was in his lyrics, mm. um, but then obviously then it came to a point. So yeah, on a similar sort of story, it was like oh, okay, I've seen that, I've seen that that gig and I've seen that him singing those songs mm. and, and then you just don't relate realise how personal those songs yeah. sometimes have come across so um, so have you got a, an I was there probably gig, not, you know, not other no. than personally really yeah. like I saw, when I saw Kasabian um, like when they were just about to kick off and they yeah. started the, the, one of their first arena gigs and it was like this is this is unreal the way that they were sort of just 
like literally just dominating the stage and dominating the crowd. Um, and I did see, fortunate enough to see Prodigy twice before uh, before Keith passed away. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the first wow. time we saw them, they were supported by Dizzy Rascal, which was just unbelievable. Oh, Dizzy so, Rascal's yeah. amazing. Um, oh. and that, that gig, even though we were sitting, everyone was standing, yeah. everyone was jumping, and the whole stadium was just literally like, vo- like vibrating with the energy. Yeah. So that was probably like, and again, I got to got to go to that with one of my best mates and my, my other half, and we just had just a wicked time and a, like really come back with like with wicked memories. So yeah, those sorts of things. Um, I mean, I did see. I went to IB for and saw Ushuaia. Um, uh, the uh, sorry, I saw Avicii play at Ushuaia, okay. mm. uh, which was completely different, really, because um, yeah. that was like not. Was I'll say I was mingling with Paris Hilton. I still say to this day, <laughs> Paris Hilton was like the other side of this rope yeah. that we weren't allowed to cross. But yeah. as far as I was concerned, like, Paris, Paris, she was literally Paris. trying to get to you. <laughs> she obviously knew about the pod. She yeah. knew that the pod was going to kick off, didn't she? But uh, but yeah, so we had some really good memories again. That was uh, with one of our best mates on his on his stag weekend or week. I think we managed to black five yeah. days out of that. <laughs> But yeah, that was cool because his dad was with us as well. So we just had some like really fun, funny memories of his dad st- like standing next to Derek Chisora yeah. in in Ushuaia watching a venture. It was like what it was like psychedelic. But um, yeah, that was pretty cool. And that was a little bit of a I was there moment just because oh, Ibiza is a pretty special place. But yeah. that venue as well, like it's on the beachfront. You're watching planes sort of fly over and we mm. saw this guy like do this set that everyone was wanted to see and then he, he's not around anymore so it's yeah. I suppose in that in that respect it's kind of like a, it was pretty like a perfect time and um, set of events really to be there but so if there was one band in history that you never got to see or who would it be that you'd love to go see live in the heyday of course yeah I think it's really difficult isn't it because mm. you sort of feel like you've got to say something absolutely well, inspirational I'll give, I'll give, artistically I'll give you, I'll give you relevant yeah. <laughs> um, well uh, the Smiths would be one for me um, purely mm, because I listen yeah. to the Smiths a lot and obviously they're only around for a four year period um, but we've seen them been in Smiths tribute uh, oh, tribute yeah, acts yeah, yeah. yeah so you'd be 100% you'd be sort of in my in my top list to see the Smiths is that the Smiths with a Y the, the, the tribute band yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the Smiths with a Y yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I think I saw you there actually yeah yeah, yeah. what a small yeah. world yeah. <laughs> what about yourselves so, so me I'm going straight back and this like shout out to my dad but I'm going I'm doing if I'm going to go to one gig or mm. a a gig yeah uh, I'm not going to see one act. I'm going to go some records when some records used to tour and used to have Elvis, Johnny Cash, yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis oh, all on the same cool. yeah. all on the same lineup. Yeah. Yeah. So if if there was a fantasy Don't gig, of, June Carter. June yeah. Carter was there. Yeah. Like like the lineup was insane. The fact that they managed to get that many like mega stars on the same set mm. and they just went on, did two or three songs, bounced off. So yeah, I'd probably go back to that and just just live a 50s, 60s rock and roll day. I think for me, I put you on the spot. I yeah, mean, no. Yeah. For, yeah. for me, there's an artist that has kind of like inspired me in the way that I like to perform and throw myself into everything, and that's Tina Turner. Okay, I think wow. she's yeah. an absolute legend. Yeah. I've seen like tri- my dad was in a Tina Turner tribute band, so like Brilliant. we used to listen to it a lot. Like um, when you know when I was when I was with him, but like her energy, her it's it's the commitment. The yeah. absolute hundred percent throwing yeah. herself into it, leaving everything on stage. Like what an absolute hero. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Mm. Shout out to Tina Turner. Shout out to yeah, Tina Turner. Simply the best. Uh, 
Okay, so we've touched on, we've gone through the 90s, we've gone through the noughties, we've gone through our favourite gigs and, and live venues and stuff like that. So, but one of the good things about, or bad things, depending on how you look at it, about <laughs> Birmingham was there was quite a sort of a vibrant nightlife scene, wasn't that nightclub scene? So there was quite an eclectic bunch of, of venues that you could go to, depending on what sort of genre that you was into. So we've got places like Snobs and Rams, which me and Paul had, had spoken about previously, but we've also got places like Arcadian, Broad Street and Brindley Place. So going first to you, Keely, where where would it be that you would most frequent and or would it be a case of that you'd go to all of those sort of places or did you sort of stick to, to one sort of area? So I've definitely fre- frequented all of those places, yeah. but the one place that we always used to go to that you didn't mention yeah. is Her Street. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, got, so, yeah, yeah, yeah so I used to work at Starbucks at Birmingham Airport and we used to get paid every other Friday and every other Friday we'd be like, right, see you up there yeah. and we would go to her street and just have the absolute best time yeah. like um you know like nightingale and missing and just then DVA. all those like, yeah, the DVA, DVA, yeah 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 and it was just like again from a like female point of view it was so unthreatening as well yeah. like you could just go and have a great night mm-hmm. and so like definitely would do arcadian and broad street but her street is like would be my go-to. So definitely. did you, you mentioned obviously about uh, that th- unthreatening? So did you feel that in other places then? Oh or, yeah, I yeah. think there's always there's always you know when you're in a club and everyone's having a drink, there's always that you know not keep your wits about. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, and you know we're always taught like oh if you're going to go out like this is how you stop from being drugged and you're like yeah. well maybe the people should just stop drugging us. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's that's the better message. Yeah. Um, and I remember like being younger and a girl from like my drama group had like gone up Broad Street and like been drugged and they were all like so just to let you know like none of you should go up Broad Street now and I was like no I'm not having that like we've still got to go out kind of thing but I mean Broad Street I think I kind of I'd say like cut my teeth on Broad Street like do you remember like studies yeah well studies and studio bakers (laughs) interchangeably and what was the one on the corner the works the, the works, cinema, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was the first nightclub I ever went to. Was yeah. the works. Okay. Sixteen years old. I went with my cousin and a, a fella at the time. Yeah. Because they did not care on the door, did they? They no. just waved. And then you I in. went in there, and then I came out after about half an hour because I thought this is rubbish. And then I went to, I went and met some friends who were the same age as us, but like physically much, much more mature than I was. <laughs> and we went to a club called Rat and Parrot. So shout out to Mission Vicks if you're listening. Yeah. But we went to Rat and Parrot, which was like basically a full on R and B club. Like it was just I was the I think I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it got it it got shut down quite sort of like after a yeah. couple of years it got shut down because it was shit like Because it was, it was quite... slightly further out, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, of like the main yeah. like bit yeah. of town. But yeah, so shout out to Rat and Parrot as well and shout out to being the, the gingerest person in the <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned about being a chameleon and about fitting in with different groups of people. So were the different places that you went to in Birmingham, was it with different groups of friends who were into different things or was it the same group of people and you all like to go to just these yeah, different places? Yeah, for me it was it was different people. Yeah. Like I would go on a night out and know that I could literally like walk between like groups of friends. Like yeah. I'd maybe like start with people from work and then know that people from college were out and then I would always end up at Snops like because I yeah. knew that like probably like my core friends were there and you yeah. know, my husband was always there. Obviously he wasn't my husband at the time, but yeah. you know, yeah. you know, so yeah, but I remember just, you know, you, your life is so fluid, isn't it? When you're mm-hmm. young, you know so many people that are going to be out. Yeah. So I remember just like, like walking in like between groups of friends and mm-hmm. maybe starting on Broad Street and Arcadian. And, so and did you feel around. very much at ease in all of those places? Cause I think one of the things that I'd, 
we'd mentioned on the on the snobs episode was I necessarily didn't feel that comfortable in some of those in some of those surroundings, especially in places like Broad Street. It just didn't seem to felt like mm. I fitted in. But how did you feel in places like that? You felt like you could easily go from one scene to the next. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so. Like I, I, obviously we've just mm. mentioned about like there being a slightly like predatory nature to some of these places, yeah. but like parking that for a second like mm. in terms of myself mm. I think I was because I was there legitimately with friends as well yeah. like we weren't all just kind of wandering in like glassy eyed and being like where yeah. are we yeah. like you know so I think I, I think I was quite lucky in that respect that I had a, a lot of different friends from a lot of different areas and I think again coming back to kind of like the working class thing you know I had friends from home but then I was I also went to uni so I had like yeah. that world as well mm-hmm. do um, you feel like do you feel responsible for your uni friends to introduce them to the best parts and like absolutely the mix of yeah. like, come with me guys yeah. but I remember like my uni friends used to be like you're so brummy and like my friends from home were like why have you started speaking posh yeah. <laughs> like, just always like never <laughs> never, never the right to, thing yeah. Yeah. but like in terms of myself like I was always I think I think generally I'm reasonably confident with like who I am so I was always quite at ease with whatever venue I was in okay I think you said about cutting your teeth on Broad Street I think I felt it was one of the first places that in Birmingham nightclub scene that you went to but I seem to remember sort of an evolution of starting off in places like Broad Street and then as you started to get a bit older yeah then you start to go to places like Brindley Place yeah um, Arcadian, and Arcadian, and, and, and yeah. as, you, as you moved on, what do you what do you think? Opposite. Well, I wouldn't say the complete opposite. Yeah. It was just different, different music um, events at different places. So, you know, Arcadian. I'd go to Arcadian as seventeen, eighteen year old because they played garage music in mm, Hidden. Mm. Um, they like they used to house music, and then yeah. but also Barracuda, which is a big oh, Barracuda. Gar- yeah, like, so it was a big garage, you know, and a Chavacuda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chavacuda. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was there were places like that, and Deviate you mentioned there as yeah. well. They played quite like a mix of music and stuff. Um, so depending on what I wanted to, what I was listening to, and who I was knocking around with, I wouldn't necessarily bounce between mm. groups of friends I'd go out with one group of friends and do that yeah. and then another group of friends and do something different um, but yeah I think I think there was maybe it was more civilised I think Arcadian which is like a little um, precinct if you like of slightly mm. more civilised bars it felt and stuff. cooler I think yeah, yeah. And I think it had like a slightly older vibe about it anyway yeah. it felt mm. like maybe a bit more expensive like a few drinks mm. as well so Broad Street was where you cut your teeth because it was cheap and yeah. cheerful yeah you knew what you were going to get and it was bigger clubs which which could throw the happy hours at you. Yeah. Whereas as you, like you said, as you get a bit older, you're looking for something a bit different, a little bit more civilised mm-hmm. maybe. So Keely, me and Paul, obviously we've done that massive episode on Snobs and Ramshackles. <laughs> what was your feelings about Snobs and Rams and then which one was it that you preferred? So both, both well I say venues, yeah. but obviously Rams was a night, but yeah. you know, both, both experiences, great experiences and you know, you know, for music, I kind of feel like you can't top either for music, you yeah. know, but I will say team snobs, 100% <laughs> team vote, snobs. One vote for team snobs. Team then. snobs. I think every time I went to like Rams, I was probably just absolutely battered. Yeah. So it was more of a just a, you know, um, a blur really. But yeah, snobs, I've just got such fun memories of snobs. We've got a, a line drawing of snobs up like in our house that yeah. we've done. Um, but I just, yeah, it, the thing for me was... I knew snobs felt like my local. Yeah. Because I knew, so often I would go to snobs on my own as I've been bopping around mm-hmm. and I just knew there was going to be someone there that I knew. Yeah. 
Yeah. So snobs, and often I used to sneak in as well, because, you know, everyone would be having a fag outside. Yeah. I'd just sneak, sneak in. <laughs> and then as I grew older, like, there were still a lot of snobs. Randomly, Actress and Bishop became that for me. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. we started going to Actress and Bishop a lot, and there was always someone that I knew in Actress and Bishop, so it kind yeah. of evolved a little bit. Someone and now I go, and there's no one in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, as, 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 as it moves on, doesn't it? Like, you just mentioned the Actress and the Bishop. The Sun on the Hill was a place that oh, we used, always a fight low, always a fight in the sun on the hill yeah, but, um, fun. <laughs> but these are some of the things let's highlight some of the places that we used to go for pre-drinks so Mosley for me we used to start to go to quite a bit mm. uh, Mosley you mentioned playing mm. playing gigs there uh, for pre-drinks so where where would you go before because obviously Birmingham Town Centre would have been a destination but where would you start off so it depends on who I was going out yeah. with. So if I was going out to Barracuda, I'd start off at Kieran's house. I was going to say, I'll start in the living room. <laughs> so I'd start yeah. off at Kieran's house. We'd have yeah. a couple of drinks with his dog and a few yeah. mates. <laughs> and then we'd we'd get a taxi up to town. Uh, if I was going out for like midweek snobs, because uh, some of my friends ended up going to, I went to Aston University for a bit and so did a couple of my best mates. So like um, Costa's was like a pre-drink, but that was like, basically the the uni sort of one of the uni pubs mm. so you'd go there or find somewhere sort of maybe square peg or somewhere like that on corporation street yeah which we've now found out has got one of the longest bars apparently in the country <laughs> um, in europe, in europe, in europe yeah. Yeah. um but yeah so it depended on the night out really um yeah and then sometimes we'd go you didn't venture that much into soliol i don't think but occasionally we'd go to rosie roses oh, in, yes. uh, yeah. in soliol and, and again that would be a pre pre-drink session somewhere like a mate's house or something like that before you plucked up the courage to get thrown out by homes. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Kayleigh? Definitely square peg. Yeah. Which is the house of me. Where the phones were. Yeah. Um, but also for me, Gosta Green. Okay, Round yeah. by Aston Uni. And yeah. also the Black Horse, which was just down the way from there. That used to be a great yeah. pub. There's just like, you know, rock music in there, yeah. occasionally live bands and then move on into like scruffies yeah. for okay. like free drinks as well and then further into town. Yeah, um, like I mentioned, um, Fighting Cocks, you should start, oh, off, yeah, you should start yeah. off quite a bit in Mose yeah. in the Junction and the Cross, and those are the sort of places where you'd end up and then you'd go naturally just end up in Snobs or Rammies or somewhere like that from those sort of places. So, yeah. Solial, I think it's died down a little bit now, hasn't it? It's, it's not as um, lifeless, it's not yeah. as old as it once was. I went out yeah. in, in Solial about three months ago and yeah. was like, it's missing. What is this? Yeah, <laughs> like, where is everything? Of course, she's died of death, it's, it? missing, yeah. like a, it's missing a purpose or a soul, isn't it? Solial, yeah. I think it hasn't got anywhere that plays live music really, no. or no, you know, it's, it's screaming out for like somewhere that can put live. Uh, stand up or live music mm. on and the barley mow is not there like the, oh the, the barley bar- mow <laughs> where dreams are made yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. some apple sours in the barley mow <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Kaylee, drink a choice we asked this question to each other drink a choice and shot a choice while you was out at these some of these places so Jack Daniels and Coke okay but possibly like you know a uh, an unbranded version <laughs> when you're yeah. in there you know, yeah. so Jack Daniels and Coke and shot a choice you know what I love a good Zambuca Ooh. I do. This, I, I, just, I love aniseed, whereas some yeah. people hate it. It's left field. But yeah. Um, yeah, Zambuca. Or the classic, I think you said it before, Aftershock. Yeah. Love a good I think Aftershock. it's illegal now. You can buy it, but <laughs> it should be illegal. Indeed. It should be, yeah. yeah. Point. Definitely yeah. should be illegal, yeah. It's now call to action time for obviously all the, the followers and the listeners out there. So. It's time again, Paul. What do we need them to do? We need them. First of all, hit us up on Instagram. 
Follow us, I think. Subscribe. Get like. on the gram and see what we're doing on there. What's the next thing we need them to do? We need people to start listening to this podcast, Mark. It's taken yeah. off. <laughs> it's, it's getting stratospheric, yeah. So, so l- listen, like, subscribe. Yeah. And also, what's another thing that we need them to do? Uh, we play. also need people to start listening to this playlist yes. and that, like it's evolving over time yeah. it's getting bigger and bigger it it's growing legs yeah. legs and tentacles that we've got one yeah. advocate of the, the so playlist obviously Keely, you've obviously subscribed to the pod I and have. I've obviously saved the playlist as I well have. haven't skipped you every song, but, skipped every song but no <laughs> <laughs> no it There's is a lot of it songs is to skip. banging 15 hours worth of wonderful music well there you go so far Okay, and then one of the other things that we're just going to do is just going to give you the floor a little bit, Keely. Can you just tell us a little bit about the work that you do with the Charity Base 25 and the Wellbeing Community Choir? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Wellbeing Community Choir is a choir that we set up to support people with their health and wellbeing through through singing and um, social interaction and getting out of the house and having a good old sing-song. So, so can anyone... Anyone can, can join. join. There's yeah. no auditions. We, um, we rehearse in... Um, uh, in Bourneville and in North Solihull and in Warmley and it's open to all and we'll drop some links. So yeah, we'll put some links on there. And then what about Base 25? What? Yeah, so Base 25, I'm the chair of um, of Base 25 and we are a charity that supports um, young people, their families um, and those that need us in kind of supporting them through their life and making good lifestyle choices. We have a number of different um, interventions and people, again, can they can self-refer or schools and professionals can also self-refer into us. Okay, cool. Well, that's, that's great. So if you're able to, check out the Wellbeing Community Choir. Check out the base twenty five, and then also, also check out the other stuff that me and Paul have asked people to do. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. It's now time on the podcast for our brilliant brummy. Brilliant brummy. <laughs> getting longer. That is. I so, felt like I should have harmonised with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As we had a singer on there, maybe we could have. Uh, Mine, you can do some yeah. <laughs> with your deep resonance. That's it. Um, so I went last week, and obviously um, we had George Cadbury and we've had Joe Lysett the week before. So go on in, Paul. I'm Hit us with your brilliant brummy. I'm going to take your George Cadbury, and I'm going to raise oh, you. Okay. Uh, Carl Stephen Alfred Chin, MBA. <gasps> oh, Mr. Okay. Chin. Mr. Carl that. Chin is yeah. an English historian, writer, and broadcaster. He's devoted all of his studies, pretty much all of his studies, um, to the popular popularisation of the city of Birmingham. Um, he's been a lecturer at um, University of Birmingham for a number of years and has recently been made, back in 2002, a professor. Uh, he got his MBE for services to local history and charity. Born in Moseley, um, so just down the road. Mm. Uh, I think his father was from um, Sparkill, grew up in Sparkill. And his mum was from Aston. Uh, in 1994, he started with his Evening Mail, a weekly segment featuring about uh, history of Brum, which <laughs> ran until 2016, Martin. Yeah. Uh, he's authored over 30 books on Brum and urban working class uh, culture. He's presented weekly shows on Radio WM, which stands for West Midlands, I'm breaking that acronym down, <laughs> uh, between 1994 and 2013. And also, uh, little known fact, he also attem- attempted, failed to uh, failed, but attempted to save Longridge Factory from closing back in 2000. So, 
Uh, what a guy, someone to aspire to. Carl yeah. uh, Jin, he will mean nothing to nobody that, uh, from Birmingham, but from Birmingham, he was he yeah. was a big deal. This guy was on the telly every pretty much every week. He was in the news every week. Um, and he was probably doing what we're doing now a little yeah. bit, which is trying to big up and put us on the map a little bit and make people like, stand up and listen um, well, to what to what it meant to be from Birmingham, what our culture is all about, and things like Peaky Blinders. I think he's got a distant relative who was a Peaky Blinder as yeah. well. Um, but things like Peaky Blinders have put Birmingham on the map in the mm. Commonwealth Games more recently. But he was doing that hard graft when no one was listening. So thank you very much, Carl, Carl Chin, MBA. Thank you, Cole Chin. Well, maybe, you know, might even get him on a pod. I'd love to get him on a pod. I'm sure he'd give us a lesson or two on uh, what um, Birmingham culture and history was all about. So he's basically, he'd come on and go, right, everything that you said is completely (laughs) wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell him what a great time I've had and it might, you know, it might convince him to come on down. Yeah, we'll get there. Go, And that's obviously, so he's your brilliant brummy, but we've also got another brilliant brummy. On the pod, and obviously that's Keely. So thank you, Keely. Yeah. So obviously we want to thank you for obviously coming on the pod, agreeing to come on the pod. <laughs> well, I want to thank guest. you guys, and to say thank you for inviting me. I've actually bought you a little present. Okay. I've bought you some pure brummy honey. No. That wow. is made here in Birmingham. There we go. Oh, wow. So that's local, a local business that makes pure brummy honey. So I've even bought you a honey dipper. I don't know if they're more effective that. than a spoon, but who knows? This is going go. straight on my toast tomorrow. Thank you very Brummy much. Brummy Honey. So is that is that the name of the company? Brum, yeah, Brummy, Brummy Honey. Brummy Honey. Okay, Proud so, Birmingham Heritage. So shout out to Brummy Honey. Those will definitely put some pictures of this uh, up on the Instagram page as well. Oh, thank you, Keely. Thank well, you, Keely. Yeah. And it's best before June 2025, so <laughs> definitely going to eat it before then. And not suitable for infants under 12 months. It's true. So... Just so we get that out there as well. Get some get some copyrights out there. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a, been a pleasure. Yeah, so I hope, we hope you've enjoyed. Um, I have. Yeah. I don't know if the people listening have, but I've had a great time. Uh, only time will tell. <laughs> so until next time, thanks guys.